This podcast is sponsored by O's. O's is a premium disposable vape product made with the highest pharmaceutical grade quality ingredients and comes in 12 delicious flavors like velvet tobacco, sweet apple, strawberry banana, grape ice, lemon tart, mango, and so many more. Right now, O's is offering all of my listeners 50% off their orders. So head on over to letsos.com and use my promo code HARMONY for 50% off your order. With O's, you'll look forward to your moment of zen. This episode is sponsored by Doom and Groom. Doom and Groom are a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. Their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use from head to toe, keeping your hair and skin healthy and hydrated. All of their products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and use my code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off your purchase. Once again, that is doomandgroom.net, promo code HARMONYDOOM. Hey guys, what's up and welcome to this week's episode. If this is your first time, hey, what's up? My name's Harmony and uh, I'm your host here. Every week I try to come here and tell you some of the darkest, creepiest, odd, just really, just not normal things that are going on in the world. And mainly that is true crime, hauntings, and mysteries. If that's your kind of thing, stick around because you'll like this episode. This episode, I want to tell you guys about a current case that has recently started to unfold. And I'm sure many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That is Gabby Petito. But before we get into that case, I want to let you guys know if you stick around to the end of the episode, I have an update for you about a previous case that I told you about. That would be the case of Faith Hedgepeth. Okay, okay, enough with the intros. I want to go ahead and jump into this episode. This girl right here, this is what matters. That is it. Anything else, it comes second to this. This morning, the desperate father of Gabby Petito appealing to the country for help as authorities struggle to find her. For those of you who have not heard yet, there is a missing woman and the case is currently unfolding in front of everybody. Local and federal authorities are looking for 22-year-old Gabby Petito. Gabby and her boyfriend, Brian Landry, decided to go traveling together. However, Brian returned without her. Gabby was reported missing by her family, and uh, Brian, well, he's kind of looking a little suspicious. Now, oftentimes, when someone goes missing or a person is found deceased, their partner, so they have one or significant other if they do, is going to be a person of interest. I don't want to say they will be a suspect as that is a whole different ballpark. A person of interest is just somebody that has a lot of heavy ties in a person's life, could know more than what they're leading on to, you know, just that. A suspect is somebody that absolutely the police authorities believe is involved with their disappearance or murder. And this is often due to evidence. Now, person of interest is more so they just want to find out something. They, they need you to be open. They're trying to get to the bottom of it, and they think that you could have something. And uh, Brian is teeter-tottering on person of interest and suspect. He has been named a person of interest as of now, but initially, I don't know why he wasn't. The man came back without Gabby, and instead of talking or cooperating with authorities, he immediately lawyered up. Now, sadly, in a lot of cases, the person closest to the victim is often the 
well, the person who hurt them. I'm not going to say this is in every case because there are several cases of just, you know, serial killers picking a victim at random or somebody that just happened to be wearing red because that is their motive. They love the color red. I don't know. I'm just throwing out reasons. But if it's not a serial killer, if it's not a random attack, if it's not a robbery gone wrong, it is often somebody close to you. So just keep that advised. Uh, if you pass away, if you go missing, whoever is closest to you in your life will most likely be a person of interest in this and uh, could also be the assailant. Now, why am I saying all of this? Because it's common. It is. And I don't know if Brian just initially was like, oh, fuck, they're going to think that I did something when Gabby just peaced out and I need protection. Or, or hear me out, does Brian have something to hide? Gabby's mom says she last spoke to her daughter in late August when Gabby was in Wyoming's Grand Teton National Park. Although police say the potential search area stretches all the way to Florida, where her fiance Brian Laundrie returned home on September 1st without Gabby. Gabby's family and their attorneys have pleaded with Brian and his family to just cooperate and try to bring Gabby home. I don't know about you, but I feel like a significant other, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a partner should have that interest, should want that person to come home. Even if they broke up, let's say something happened and she was just like, I, I need time. She should have contacted family and she didn't. Um, he should have said something like, hey, you know, we, we broke up and, you know, I, I let her hang out. She got a room. She did something. He didn't say anything. He just came back and she wasn't there. So, <laughs> Well, suspicious if I say so myself. Anyways, that is not the point. The point of all of this is there is a very real missing young girl and nobody knows where she is. Now, there is an attorney that spoke for the Lantry family and they said this on Tuesday in a statement about the family. We are remaining in the background at this juncture and will have no further comment. Okay. Uh, what the hell? Listen, I know working with authorities, especially when uh, you are very much correlated and directly involved with a disappearance, can seem a little, a little scary because, you know, cops like to point fingers and place blame often more than doing their work. They just want to go, oh, we found the guy. He was, he was crossing the street before the signal turned. He's got to be guilty. He committed the crime. Yeah, that's him. Get him. So obviously, people don't really like working with police. They don't give you the comfort that they should. When you see an officer, you don't go, oh, I'm safe. You go, fuck, did I recently break the law? Am I about to get shot? However, when somebody close to you goes missing, I feel like the worst thing to do is just go, yo, we're going to hide, hide, we're going to hide. We're going to play this one out and stay silent. All right, you guys have a good time. I just fucking don't understand. So <laughs> let's continue. Now, in case you guys don't know anything about Gabby, Gabby is a small, uh, five foot five tall girl, about 110 pounds. She is white, she has blonde hair, blue eyes, and several tattoos, including one on her finger and one on her forearm that reads, let it be. I'm telling you guys this because this is an active current missing person. So if you see her, if you think you have, and the the area is just everywhere. If you, no matter where you live, if you see her, call authorities and let it be known that you think you saw Gabby Petito. The FBI has a national hotline and that number is 1-800-CALL-FBI or 225 five three two four 
Now the search for Gabby Petito, the Florida resident and Long Island native, went missing during a cross-country trip with her fiancé, who is now a person of interest in the case. This morning, several new wrinkles have emerged in the investigation. Eyewitness News reporter Derek Waller joins us live from the newsroom with the details. Derek? Ken, still nobody's heard a peep from Petito's boyfriend. Brian Laundry is not talking, but his sister is. And meanwhile, a, a new wrinkle in the case, a double murder near the same Utah campsite where the couple had been staying. Let's go ahead and break this down in a timeline of what we know currently. According to Northport Police Chief Todd Garrison, he stated this in a news briefing, that Gabby and Brian, who he described as being Gabby's fiance, embarked on a cross-country trip in June. They planned to travel using Gabby's white Ford van to the West Coast and visit state national parks across the Western United States. That actually sounds kind of rad, so I, I get it. I can see what the hype was and why they wanted to go do this. That sounds exciting. And according to many people, Gabby was actually very excited. In fact, she shared her journey with her family and also on her social media. Now we're all the way in Utah, and luckily enough, I was able to set up my hammock on one of these trees. And we're kind of like in the desert. <laughs> a YouTube video shows us Gabby Petito and her fiance Brian Laundry were here in Utah. This is their van driving through the salt flats and they experience the summer thunderstorms. The tent is just coming in on me. The wind is so bad. Now, not only was she posting, or her and Brian both were posting on social media, she maintained regular contact with her family during her traveling. However, the communication abruptly stopped around the end of August. Let's talk about August. In Utah, police had an encounter with the couple on August 12th, where officers described them as having engaged in some sort of altercation. Although the two are described as getting into an actual physical fight following the argument, quote, both male and female reported they are in love and engaged to be married and desperately didn't wish to see anyone charged with a crime. That was according to one of the officers, Eric Pratt, that dealt with this whole incident. And this whole incident with their, them fighting, Gabby's crying, was actually caught on video. Mary Kent, the police chief in Northport, Florida, where the couple lives, is not only speaking out on national TV, he posted this tweet on his page, a message to Brian Landry's lawyer, which says in part, two people left on a trip and one person returned. Landry is now a person of interest, but the police body cam video adds another twist to this mystery. Dramatic police body cam video shows Gabby Petito in tears the day she and her fiance got into a nasty argument. The just released video was taken August 12th when police pulled the couple's van over in Utah after a witness reported them arguing at a grocery store and called 911. The officer asks Petito to step out to explain what's going on. I just Then Laundry's questioned. Gabby told police she has OCD and was afraid Laundry was going to leave her stranded at the grocery store. She apparently scratched him during the back and forth argument. You, you want to tell me about those scratches on your face? She did stuff on her hand. That's why I was pushing her away. So I'm not going to do anything. Neither was charged, and the police told the two to spend the night apart to cool down. 
Officers did suggest that the couple separated for the night, according to the report, which actually ended up describing Gabby as confused and emotional. As if you guys want, I recommend you look up on YouTube the actual body cam footage of this whole encounter. Gabby is very emotional. The officer involved actually had this to say. After evaluating the totality of the circumstances, I do not believe the situation escalated to the level of a domestic assault as much as that of a mental health crisis. He wrote that in his report and no charges were filed. They also apparently took Brian to a hotel and Gabby took the van with this whole incident happening. Now, they both had their own cell phones, so whatever happened after the police were involved is kind of up in the air. Now let's talk about the last week of August. Gabby's family told authorities that the last time they had contact with her was in the last week of August. Before this final communication, it was believed that she was in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. Now this was on August 30th, and they did not believe that the message they received was actually even from Gabby. So... The family doesn't even believe that the last interaction they had with their quote-unquote daughter was actually even her. The message that they received has not been made public, however. They simply state that they do not believe that it is her style of writing. And I'm sure you guys know what that means. Like, I have my own way of texting, and if somebody else were to grab my phone and start messaging people, instantly, my friends and my family would absolutely know because... <laughs> I have my own way to speak via text, and I'm sure you do too. So anyone close to you would be able to right away kind of be like, are you sure this is you? And that's how the family felt about that last message. This brings us to September 1st, where Brian returns to the couple's Northport home, where his parents also live. The authorities later recovered the van that they had been driving across country on this trip at the house as well. The van was processed and there was quote-unquote some material in there that authorities will be going through. This now brings us to September 11th. American 11, are you trying to call? The cockpit is not answering their phone. Our number one has been stabbed and our five has been stabbed. I am going to call from Washington. I am in a situation with American 11, a possible hijack. What's going on, Betty? The crap is erratic again. Very erratic. That's right, 20 years after the very well-known September 11th attacks on the World Trade Centers brings us to this day, 20 years later, September 11th, 2021. After her family is unable to get in touch with her, they decide to get a hold of the authorities. Now, her family lives in New York, and they reported her missing on the evening of Saturday, September 11th, to the Suffolk County, New York Police Department. Northport authorities went to Brian's home on Saturday night asking to speak to him and his family, but, quote-unquote, we were essentially handed the information to their attorney. And that is the extent of the conversation that they had. Tell me that doesn't look fucking suspicious. Tell me that doesn't look suspicious. I'm sorry, Brian, you are not helping yourself. You are absolutely, oh my God, I can't talk. Sorry, I got, I got tongue-tied there. Again, I don't know why I host a podcast. I can't speak. But he does. He looks so suspicious. And then his family is just like, do they think it's good that he's not wanting to talk? I understand getting an attorney, but you should 
try to cooperate with authorities. It looks so bad, my guy. Petito, last seen in Utah while traveling with her boyfriend. Police are looking into a possible connection between her disappearance and the murder of these two women, Crystal Turner and wife Kylan Schulte. The newlywed couple were found shot at a campsite near Moab, Utah. One of them reportedly telling a friend about a, quote, creepy man around their camp. They were last seen alive on August 13th. Just one day earlier, also in Moab, Gabby Petito and her boyfriend Brian Laundry were seen on this police body camera video arguing on the side of the road. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm just crying. We have this inviting recording. Some personal issues. Police say at one point it got physical with Petito the aggressor. No charges were filed. Less than a week later, the couple were seen in Salt Lake City checking out of a hotel. The next day, her mother says Petito told her they were in Wyoming heading to Yellowstone. And a week later on September 1st, Laundry arrived home in Florida without Petito. Two people went on a trip, one person returned. And that person that returned isn't providing us any information. On September 16th, a letter was provided to a news briefing by the Petito family attorney. In this letter, they are begging for Landry's family to help in the investigation. Quote, please, if you or your family have any decency left, please tell us where Gabby is located. Tell us if we are even looking in the right place. All we want is for Gabby to come home. Please make us make that happen. Their attorney also stated that Gabby's family reached out to Brian and his family. However, they declined and refused to answer at all. A statement released from Gabby's family says, We haven't been able to sleep or eat. Our lives are falling apart. I cannot imagine what Gabby's family is going through. I don't understand the uh, process or what the fuck Brian is thinking, why his family is allowing another family to suffer like this like i get it you might not want your son to get in trouble maybe he did something bad but as a parent i could never allow another parent to lay in in constant just worry sadness and fear if gabby is not alive because of something that transpired her family absolutely deserves to know that and to bring her home and have closure for her However, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, at least not easily. Brian is a person of interest, and I believe he absolutely should be. I think that should be knocked right up there to a suspect because of how, well, suspicious he's fucking being. And I, I really cannot state enough how disgusted I am by his family allowing him to do this. I, I find it grotesque. With that, I want to say that my heart is completely with her family. Gabby's family, if you ever hear this, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. It's heartbreaking, and I really hope the authorities can bring Gabby home for you. Or Brian and the Landry family get their thumbs out of their ass and step up. Police say Laundry is not cooperating. Petito's family pleading for help. Their attorney reading this statement to Laundry's parents. As a parent, how could you let us go through this pain? and not help us. If you or your family have any decency left, please tell us where Gabby is located. Tell us if we are even looking in the right place. This morning, Laundry's sister responding. Obviously, me and my family want Gabby to be found safe. She's like a sister and my children love her. 
Yeah, so Jane, this is Brian Laundry's house you see right here behind me in Northport, and so far he hasn't come out to speak with anyone, simply issuing statements through his attorney. But meanwhile, I've spoken with people living right here in this neighborhood who tell me they're becoming more and more anxious for answers. Jason Sternquist and his family put together signs on their golf cart. They've been driving back and forth in front of Laundry's house. If it was my daughter that was missing, I can't think of anybody that would stop me from going in that house, grabbing that kid, and finding out information. And and that's what I got for you on Gabby Petito's case currently. Brian is a person of interest, and as it unfolds, when I have more to deliver, I will do so and I will inform you guys. But just my personal opinion I want to throw in right here, I 100% think Brian knows something. Now let's go ahead and move it to an update from a previous case that I told you guys about. When the sun rises over Chapel Hill, the party's over and school's starting. Karina needs a ride home to pick up a paper for class and then head to campus. When she can't reach Faith, she calls Marisol Rangel for a lift. So I picked up Karina and we came back to the apartment um, and we saw her car. So I'm like, oh, she probably overslept. It is nearly 11 a.m. The two climb the stairs and enter the apartment. They call out Faith's name, but get no response. All I remember is just calling her name just because we knew she was there, like, Faith, Faith. That's when we went to the room. So we found her. Now, for those of you who have not heard that episode, let me go ahead and give you a fill-in really fast so you can understand this update. Faith Hedgepath was born on September 22, 1992, and was an undergraduate student in her third year at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Her body was found in her apartment by a friend on the morning of September 7, 2012. She had been beaten over the head with a blunt instrument and later found to have an empty liquor bottle sitting on the side with evidence of semen and male DNA being present at the scene. The last time she was known for certain to be alive was much earlier that morning when she went to bed after returning from a local nightclub with her roommate, Karina. Now, police did recover a considerable amount of forensic evidence in the case, but it didn't really eliminate and get down to one possible suspect, at least not until recently. If you remember this case, a lot of people had eyes on Karina, who is Faith's roommates, and her, I want to say former boyfriend who also lived there. There were some issues that would go on, and her former boyfriend actually had a lot of anger and resentment toward Faith. So he was kind of looked at, but his DNA did not match. There was also a note that was left at the scene suggesting that the writer of this note was jealous. It was also believed to be written by the killer. Now, this brings us to our update. Breaking news from CBS 17 News. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Angela Taylor. And I'm Rod Carter. We're going to begin tonight with that breaking news. After nine years, a murder at UNC Chapel Hill has now been solved, and a Durham man is behind bars. This is Miguel Enrique Salguero Oliveras, and he's charged with first-degree murder in the September 2012 murder of Faith Hedgepath, who was a student at UNC. On September 16, 2021, the Chapel Hill Police Department arrested 28-year-old Miguel Salguero Alvarez. He was charged with first-degree murder of Faith Hedgepeth's death. 
Now, he was not a suspect originally, but was identified through DNA samples after he had been arrested on a drunk driving charge in Wake County. The only thing police have really shared so far is, quote, the story will take time to completely unfold. And that's about all I have. I wanted to give you guys an update on the Faith case that there was an arrest, and as it unfolds, when I have more to tell you, I will. And this brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and please be on the lookout. If you have any information, call the FBI hotline that I gave you earlier. I do encourage you guys to check out all the body cam footage that I told you about in the Gabby case. There's over an hour of it, so you can watch all that. There's a lot of information out there. If you know anything, obviously, please call in a tip. And when it comes to the Faith case, I am so glad that there is an arrest, especially that's tied to DNA evidence, because that case was just holy hell insane. I'm not going to lie. I 100% thought Karina had something to do with it. Honestly, I really did. That's only because if you go and look up the Faith case, you can hear audio of Karina when she called 911. It didn't sound like she was really that, you know. And there's also this audio from Faith's phone herself, and it sounds like Karina is kind of being crappy to Faith. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys have a fantastic day, night, morning, all that jazz, and I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Love you later. Bye.